0: Welcome to the Sharid Tzedek Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Here you'll find a live recording of just about every sermon, Devar Torah, teaching, or story from our Arab Shabbat and High Holy Day services. We know that you wish you could be with us more often, and we understand life getting in the way is not a bad thing. To live Jewishly is to understand that just as important as it is that Judaism happens in the synagogue, it's even more important to live Jewishly in your home and on your way. So here we are, in your home, on your way, maybe even on your morning run. If you ever have any questions or want to continue the discussion, let one of us know, and make sure you check out our live stream and YouTube channel for more ways that Sharit Sedek is available to you on demand. Keep an eye on your shofar and email so that when you're able, you can be with us as well. Looking forward to seeing you soon. There is an icebreaker, a getting to know you game that we would always play in youth group or summer camp. We even did it at a recent rabbis meeting um, between the Tampa and Pinellas County rabbis as we were getting to know one another. And the game is called Two Truths and a Lie. The premise is that you share three things about yourself, but two of them are true and one of them is a lie. And the rest of the group has to guess which one is the lie. So for example, If I were to tell you all that when I was in high school, I was in a TV commercial, that I drove the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile for a year after college, or that one of my classmates is now an NBA coach, you would have to guess which one is a lie. Well, maybe at the end. You you wanna know? I was a semi-finalist to drive the Wienermobile, but I was not actually chosen. In the end, I told them that while I had no problem cooking their hot dogs and serving their hot dogs, I wouldn't actually eat their hot dogs. I don't know that that was the reason, but I like to tell myself that that's why I wasn't hired. I've been thinking a lot about truth and lies lately, and it has nothing to do with the news. And I'm not talking about the news tonight, I promise. Um, It really has to do with the Torah. And we are in a section of our Torah where I find it very difficult to work with bar and bat mitzvah students because this is a section of our Torah that is full of lies. And tonight's sermon is entitled Three Lies and a Truth. You're not going to have to guess which one. It's, it's going to be very clear. And I know some of you know these stories. I hope many of you are familiar with these stories. But I think when you hear them one after another, you get a sense of the complexity of our Torah and the way in which we might process these stories in our lives today. So in last week's Torah portion, Rebekah, Isaac's wife and mother of the twins, Jacob and Esau, tells Isaac, the second born of the two, to pretend to be Esau, his older brother, so that Isaac, their father, would give Jacob the blessing of the firstborn rather than Esau. And I really could have called this sermon four lies and a truth because right before this was Isaac traveling through the land of Abimelech where he told Abimelech that Rebekah was his sister rather than his wife because he thought Abimelech would kill him if he thought that someone as beautiful as Rebekah was his wife. And that's actually the third time we see a story like that in the Torah, but that's not what I'm talking about tonight. So as we read this story of Jacob and Esau, we are rightfully bothered that the blessing that the Torah says leads to our role as a people is received through deception. Even Jacob, who had already finagled his older brother's inheritance, was bothered by the suggestion. But Rebecca justified and defended this lie, knowing that God had told her that the younger of her twins would rule over the older. So yes, she was telling her son to lie, but she felt that she was only fulfilling God's wishes. The Torah portion ends with Jacob fleeing from his home as his brother was understandably angry and threatened to kill him. Jacob fled to his uncle, Lavon, his mother, Rebecca's brother, meeting his cousin, Rachel, and falling madly in love with her, which is not a part that I have a hard, to, it was normal in, the to, in, in those days. It was actually encouraged to keep things in the family. Um, so that's not what we're talking about tonight either. When Jacob meets his uncle, We read, Jacob told Levon all that had happened. So Jacob told Levon about everything up to then. And Levon said to him, you are truly my flesh and blood. We would soon find out what he meant by that. So Jacob offers to work seven years to pay the bride price in order to marry Rachel. But the evening of their wedding feast, here comes line number two. Levon had his older daughter, Leah, Leah, take Rachel's place in their marital bed, meaning that Jacob had, in the end, married Leah rather than Rachel. So just as Isaac had been shocked to find out that he had given the blessing to the wrong son, we can imagine that Jacob would be even more shocked to wake up realizing he was next to the wrong sister. Jacob cried out, what have you done to me? Why did you deceive me? But Levon, Rebekah's brother, justifies his law, his lie, excuse me, just as his sister had done, saying, well, it's not the practice in our place to marry off the younger sister before the older one. And he continued by saying that if Jacob would work for him for another seven years, he could marry Rachel as well. Another lie with another justification. Jacob, Rachel, and Leah will ultimately flee from Levon. There's actually more theft and deception, but we won't talk about that tonight. And in next week's Torah portion, which is the one which Samantha and Riley will read from tomorrow afternoon, because in the afternoon service, we switch to the next week's Torah portion, Jacob becomes a new man. After a wrestling match with an angel, his name is changed from Yaakov, which means heel, which represented his earliest struggle with his brother Esau. He was the second born, but he was named Yaakov because he was born holding on to his brother's heel. He was trying to be first. So that name that represents struggle with his brother was changed to Yisrael, meaning one who wrestled with God, symbolizing that struggle with humanity changing to a struggle with the world, with a greater understanding. As we'll hear Riley and Samantha speak about beautifully tomorrow, Jacob will reconcile with his brother Esau, and he'll begin his new life with his new family. So things are going well. But in two weeks, we'll meet Jacob's sons, including his favorite Joseph. Here we come to the one truth. Joseph is someone who tells things exactly as they are. As an interpreter of dreams, Joseph will see a future in which he rules over his brothers and he tells them exactly what he dreamt and exactly what his dreams meant. No lies, no deception, he tells them that one day he will rule over them and they will bow down before him. The cost of his honesty will be his brother's hatred. They'll plot to kill him, decide instead to spare his life, selling him as a slave to passing travelers leading to Joseph's time in Egypt. We, we are a dysfunctional family, um, if you didn't know before. So this leads to line number three. The brothers, having sold Joseph into slavery, will cover his multicolored coat in goat's blood and take it to their brother, telling him that Joseph, his favorite son, had been killed. Joseph, who had, sorry, Jacob, who had deceived his father in order to fulfill God's prophecy, had been deceived by his uncle in order to fulfill societal norms, has 11 sons who are so put off by the 12th's honesty that they get rid of him, only to lie to their father about what they had done, perhaps actually in an act of kindness, trying to spare him from knowing what his sons would do to one another. Now, I often tell people that one of my favorite things about the Torah versus some other religious traditions, is that no one is portrayed as perfect. No one is flawless. This might be more flaws than we like to see all at once, but I like to think that we're told that our ancestors, like ourselves, made mistakes. And we and future generations should strive to learn from those mistakes. But as we read these stories, it seems like a whole lot of mistakes. Jason and I often say how worried we are that our children are going to pick up the worst of our characteristics. And hearing how much Eva loves corny jokes, it's clear that this is already happening. (laughs) And perhaps one warning of this text is the way in which deception was learned from one generation to the next. We don't know much about Rebecca and Levon's parents, their father, Bituel, was called by one rabbi in the Talmud, the most wicked man ever to live, but there's no proof text for it other than the deception we would see in his children. And surely we see the way in which one generation learned dishonesty from the one before it. And we have to be warned that our legacy can be a negative one if we teach our children negative behaviors. And that's an important lesson from this section of Torah. But I find incredible wisdom in the way the rabbis will talk about truth and lies throughout the Talmud. The rabbis say that truth is the seal of the Holy One. God is found wherever there is truth, and God's absence is felt wherever there is falsehood but without referencing any of the lies that we've just read about, they're going to proceed to give us many times where it's okay to give a little bit less than the truth. The first is in instances of humility. A scholar may say that he or she knows less than is true as a way of showing humility. Similarly, someone of high regard who is asked questions that are too personal, the rabbis say matters of the bedroom, is allowed to lie in their answer in order to maintain their modesty. But the third reason is perhaps the most interesting and they call it hospitality. The first story they give is a rabbi who was staying at an inn And the innkeeper served him beans. The first night of his stay, he ate his whole plate. The second night of his stay, he ate the whole plate of beans. They were good beans. But the third night, the beans were a little bit too salty. The Talmud is great. If you've never studied Talmud... Rabbi Farb is going to be starting a Saturday morning Talmud study in January. You can learn all about what to do when your beans are too salty. (laughs) So what does this rabbi do in this case? He says to the innkeeper, I actually already ate this afternoon. Rather than telling her that her beans were too salty, he tells a half-truth. He had eaten that afternoon but that wasn't the reason why um, he wasn't eating the beans. My favorite example is an argument between Rabbi Hillel and Shammai. Hillel and Shammai have several arguments throughout the Talmud. This one is, what do you say to an ugly bride on her wedding day? Shammai says you're never supposed to lie. So if she asks you, you should tell her. But Hillel says no, no matter what a bride looks like on her wedding day, you should tell her that she's beautiful. So preserving someone's feelings, preserving either peace in the home or peace in one's community, is another reason why the rabbis will say, occasionally, it's okay to tell. They they say never a lie, a half-truth. Actually, Rashi, in defending Jacob, he'll never defend um, Levan, and he doesn't defend the brothers, but he defends Jacob and he says that when Isaac asked Jacob, who is it? Who is it that's standing in front of me? Isaac was blind, which was why he didn't know which son was standing in front of him. He says, when you read the text, he says, I am Esau, your oldest. But Rashi says that the punctuation was actually different. And Jacob said, I, Esau, your oldest. So when he asked, who is it? He said, it's I, it's me. And then he gave a true statement. Esau is your oldest. Um, I don't buy it either. But it was nice of Rashi to try. Yes, it does work better in the Hebrew. So what do we do with our story of three lies and a truth? I think what we learn without defending lying, without defending deception, is that sometimes the truth with a capital T can be harder to understand than we may know. I do believe that we are supposed to read the story of Jacob and Esau and Rebekah and think that both Jacob and Rebecca believed that they were doing the right thing, that Isaac was making a wrong decision that God's plan was for Isaac to, uh, excuse me, for Jacob to have this special role and that they were doing what God wanted them to do. It doesn't make it right, but I do believe that we were supposed to see them as having the best of intentions. Even Levon was looking out for his oldest daughter who we, the Torah says, had weak eyes, which doesn't mean she couldn't see. It means that if she asked you on her wedding day what she looked like, you might have to tell a little bit less than the truth. And Levon really believed that he was doing what was best for his family and even for Jacob's future family by making sure that his oldest daughter would be married and would be included. Even Joseph's brothers were trying to protect their father's feelings, not wanting him to know what they had done. In fact, in our story of three lies and a truth, the rabbis perhaps would have the biggest problem with Joseph telling his brothers the truth about the dream he had interpreted, thus hurting their feelings. So I don't have the answer, As I said, for our young people who are here, I don't want you to go home and say, Rabbi Simon said that it was okay to lie, it's not. But I hope that we do leave this Shabbat understanding the complexity of what truth may be. Understanding that preserving humility, preserving people's feelings, trying to do that which we think is best is not always the clearest. We do the best we can We can't always drive the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile. Sometimes we come up a little short. But we do the best we can. We try to lead the world the best we can. We try to use our words and the way we speak to others to make this world a better place, to lead our lives, our families' lives, our community's life, and our world's life to a place of peace.